0: Hello, Jonathan Wilman here, host of the Intersection podcast. Um, it would be remiss of me and a little insensitive um, if I kicked off another episode without briefly giving the, you know my thoughts on the atrocity that took place in Manchester last night. Um, again, an act of terror and. I know I've said several times that, um, you know, I don't want this podcast to be a political podcast. It's about um, technology, pop culture and entertainment. Um, but there's something that has to be said um, when, you know, quite frankly, a sick decides it's necessary to, to maim, murder and to bomb the life of out of an audience of mainly innocent tweens attending a freaking Ariana Grande concert. You know, the most vulnerable and innocent of all groups that could be targeted, and there's no excuse. There's no political agenda behind this. There's no ideological agenda behind this. It's an evil and deplorable act. You know, we went through this before with the uh, attack in Westminster, but some people could argue, and I'm not one of them, but some could argue that, um, you know, targeting the Houses of Parliament was somewhat a political statement or a political target. Um, in the art of warfare, there are military targets and political targets, Absolutely. But this makes no sense at all. There is no way this can be justified whatsoever. Absolutely sick. And it breaks my heart to think of young people. Oh, well, their parents as well in many cases. Being excited, attending a gig. And having to deal with the, the unconscionable, basically. And all I just want to say is that, you know what? they can try what they want to disrupt our way of life, but they will not succeed. We will continue to go to gigs, we will continue to go to the movies, we'll continue to do, you know, take take part in all the social activities we normally do. You know, our Western society isn't perfect, no society is perfect, but we have the right to enjoy the freedoms that we have. So I will just say, that I sincerely hope that the person who committed this atrocity and the people connected with the planning of this atrocity burn in hell for eternity. And my final message to them and those who sort of believe or promote their ideology, we are not afraid. This is The Intersection. This is The Intersection Podcast, recorded Tuesday the 23rd of May, 2017, episode 15. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Hello and welcome to the intersection, the podcast that bridges together the worlds of tech and pop culture. My name's John from Wildman and this isn't going to be a particularly long episode. Um, it doesn't quite feel right considering what's happened in Manchester and my thoughts really do go my thoughts and my prayers really do go out to um, those who have been affected in any way, those who attended. The concert in question, those who know people who have attended, those parents who, at the time of this recording, still are unaware of where they where their children may be, um, and those who have lost their lives. So my my thoughts are with all of those people. Um, I will bring you um, some news items this week. I'm a little bit late with the um, the recording and the publication this week, simply because. I took the time to enjoy my birthday this past weekend. Um, I won't tell you how old I am, but um, it's not twenty-five. And um, you know, I had a good time. Um, it, it, it was nice just to uh, just to enjoy um, some time doing doing the things that I like doing and going to the places that I like going to. Um, you know, mainly because I'm I'm quite a busy person. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a I'm a developer. Um, I'm a single parent. Um, lots of other commitments and, um, you know, I don't always get time to myself and time to do things that I like. So it was nice. Um, my wonderful partner arranged quite a few surprises for me. Um, I lunched at one of my favourite wine bars in London. Um, there was a, um, a surprise hotel stay in um, quite a nice uh, um, hotel in um, the Docklands, actually. Um, it's actually a, um, a, a moored yacht, and um, it it the experience was completely different. I mean, the decor and 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 you know the feel of the rooms and and it was a sunborn yacht hotel. It's called and it was it was it was, it was, it was really nice. And um, you know we had dinner there and breakfast there and then yeah, dinner was superb and the staff were really friendly, really nice, nice personal touch. You know a, a personalized letter when checking in in, in the room, um, wishing me a happy birthday. So you know that, that was really good um following that on the next day we um well i, I always wanted to try out the um the uh, thames rib experience uh, which is like you know the speedboat experience on the thames and that was awesome that was real real good fun and i'd definitely do that again i recommend that to anyone and um yeah yeah and i had barbecue at uh, bodine's uh, which is my uh, favorite guilty pleasure and that was lunch the next day so um it was nice to, to to enjoy my birthday and spend it um, with my loved ones. And so um, I don't think you'll mind too much i to a few days late with the episode because of that. Um, and then, you know, obviously what happened yesterday happened. So without uh, further ado, let's um, move on to the, uh, the main stories this past week uh, concerning the world of tech. So it's um, it's. Well, the vast majority, in fact, if not all of it, is uh, Apple News this week, I'm afraid. Um, but that's not surprising because the um, the headlines in terms of tech tend to be dominated with Apple News, particularly as we approach uh, one of their keynotes, um, the keynote uh, events. And um, we are indeed in pro- approaching WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference, and the keynote that will open that conference which will be taking place i believe in just over a week's time so the first story concerns the ipad now we are expecting some updates to the ipad to be unveiled they normally would have been already this time of year uh, but apple haven't announced a spring event for the ipad and and now we are sort of approaching the summer it does seem odd that um the prospect of a new ipad would be unveiled at wwdc but you know what wwdc also brings us a new version of ios and you know maybe there is a reason for delaying um the announcement of a new ipad I mean, well, to be perfectly accurate, there, there was a release of a new iPad in March. Um, however, that was um, a, a low-cost iPad, well, low-cost in, in, in Apple terms, so to speak. And that was a replacement for the iPad Air 2. And that was a standard iPad. Um, it doesn't support um, the Apple Pencil. It doesn't have the fastest processor. Um, it, it You know, it doesn't have um, quad speakers um, like the iPad Pro, uh, and this one was low-cost one that started at £339. So, essentially, um, it is the lowest uh, point of entry. Now, um, what we are expecting, so the big iPad we are expecting, I should have clarified, is actually Apple's flagship product, which is the iPad Pro. And we are expecting an update in particular to the 9.7-inch um, iPad Pro and possibly um, possibly the 12.9-inch uh, the iPad Pro. The main differences are obviously going to be internal, um, you know, faster specs and things like that, um, faster processor what we are also expecting is um the same form factors as the existing ipad pros but a larger screen so we're looking for apple um to potentially get rid of or, or significantly reduce the size of the bezels and it looks like that um you know we're going to get this uh, at wwdc as i said and there has been some other iPad news that has leaked um, ahead of the, uh, the WWDC keynote. And that's concerning the iPad mini. And now it does appear um, uh, uh, some sources who are close to Apple have reported to various blogs um, and news outlets. And apparently they all swear that these are reliable sources. They won't say who, of course. But um, they all report that Apple are actually planning to officially phase out the iPad mini. Now, the iPad Mini was the 7.9-inch iPad, and um, I'm not sure why they're phasing this one out, to be honest. Um, You know, um, to me, certainly um, being in London and commuting every day to work, I see lots of iPad Minis. I probably see more iPad Minis than I see um, standard 9.7-inch iPads. And um, obviously the form factor, the small iPad Mini, is ideal for those who um you know just just want to use the iPad um just for consumption basically it's handy to throw in the bag and and you know you can consume media you can watch videos it's not too cumbersome um you can do things like use it as an ebook reader for those who are invested in the iBooks um, platform um they can you know it's an, it's the ideal size it's the closest thing size-wise to a, a Kindle i would say not to mention that it's actually the ideal size for young children who might, you know, more be interested in YouTube and uh, mobile gaming. And, and, you know, the size of the iPad mini was, was ideal for their smaller hands. But it does seem Apple are planning to discontinue this one. Um, no, no news at all about a replacement one or perhaps um, a, a smaller size iPad Pro. I thought a smaller size iPad Pro would have been a good idea, particularly for note-taking and that, you know, Apple Pencil support. Um, you know, a seven point nine inch iPad Pro would have been brilliant, but nope, nope. The mini um is out of the door, and um, so the existing iPad Mini, the iPad Mini Four, um, is 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 going to be the last one of that size. So if, if you are in the market for a smaller iPad, I suggest you you pick that one up. Then again, prices should go down um uh, once Apple um reveal their new flagship iPad Pros. And um, um, so, yeah, I, I'm surprised. It seems that like Apple's um, take on this is that um, most people who have iPads or rather who have, who have iPads go for the larger sizes um, simply because they have iPhones as well. So they say. So they think that most people with iPads already have iPhones. So it's completely redundant to have a smaller sized iPad Simply because iPhones are getting larger and larger these days, and you could argue that the iPhone um, Plus line is indeed um, what's known as a phablet. It's a cross between a mobile phone and a tablet, and that fills the gap in terms of a um, a, a larger screen but still very small sized um, iOS device. And yeah, so a a Plus line iPhone could pass for a you know a, a pocket tablet. I'm not sure I entirely agree with that. Again, I think it's a missed opportunity not having an, an iPad Mini um, with an iPad Pro spec, particularly for note taking. Um, I think that um, I, I, Apple need to realise that not everyone is wants a phablet as their phone. Um, not everyone wants the plus size phone, and um, we you know we're hearing reports that. The next generation iPhone, of course, is going to have an even larger screen than the existing um, iPhone uh, Plus line. But that's mainly because, again, of, of getting rid, rid of the bezels and having an edge-to-edge screen. Um, so this seems to be Apple's um, direction with the iPad. Um, everyone I've spoken to about this is bitterly disappointed. I don't know if it's just a UK thing, but... Um, as far as people I know, and as far as people I see around me, there's a lot of love for the iPad Mini. Now I'm not sure how well or how or how 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 badly it, it, it's selling in you know large markets like the United States. Uh, maybe that's what's influenced Apple's decision. I don't know, but it does seem very strange and it does seem very odd. But um, I mean, who knows? Maybe we've all been misinformed, and maybe Apple will surprise us. Or maybe um, there'll be enough uh, um, anger or pent-up frustration or protestation or whatever from the marketplace to uh, force Apple to reconsider. Either way, we're going to find out soon, most likely at WWDC. Now a quick word about um, Apple Pay and contactless payments in the UK in general. Now, um, Apple Pay is quick and it's convenient, and it's also all very handy to uh, to pay for an item or various items with your phone or your Apple Watch, and even leaving your wallet at home, you're still safe. And um, you know, the advantages of Apple Pay include the fact that it's very secure. You it requires Touch ID. Authentication to complete a transaction, that's your registered fingerprints. And also the fact that in certain places, you can make contactless payments without limits. Now in the UK, uh, well certainly as of, I think it was around September 2015, um, the contactless uh, card limit uh, rose to £30, £30 a transaction. And um, uh, prior to that, it was twenty pounds, and it hasn't shifted since. Um, the main reason is due to issues of security. Um, after all, if, if you know if, if a person dropped their contactless card on the floor, there's nothing stopping someone just picking it up, going to a self-service checkout somewhere, and just spending lots of money. That's why the limits are so small and also conservative. Now, the difference with Apple Pay and the reason why certain outlets can um who who do accept apple pay well well, except that particular feature of apple pay i should say because apple pay is accepted everywhere that accepts contactless payments but the particular feature of apple pay the limitless um transactions um now, those places, that the advantage there, and, and that exists um, simply because the banks have confidence, the banks and, and, and the retailers have confidence that um, it's more secure than your standards, standard contactless payment simply because the Touch ID authentication, as I mentioned. And, um, you know, when Apple Pay first launched, there were only really sort of few uh, major retailers, um, you know, such as, um, I think, Nando's and... Uh, the supermarkets, uh, Sainsbury's, and, and and certainly, obviously, the Apple Store itself, um, accepted um, that particular feature of Apple Pay. Otherwise, it was just the same thirty pound limit. Now, um, things have changed. Apparently, um, some news has been um, revealed by Jennifer Bailey, uh, who is the head of Apple's payments uh, business and revealed some information to the Daily Telegraph. Um, and I quote Jennifer, um, we think that the majority of the contactless terminals in the UK are now limitless. So retailers are inc- are accepting the high value payments, um, and these retailers include likes of uh, supermarkets such as Waitrose, Sainsbury's, and restaurants, including Pizza Express and Nando's. So, you know, that is absolutely brilliant. The fact that now there are no limitations at all, um, provided that you have set up Touch ID correctly and it's only your fingerprints registered to your phone, um, and things should just be more secure. Now, to be honest with you... um, I've only really um, used the limitless uh, feature of Apple Pay um, on two occasions, I think. Once was at the Apple Store itself when I purchased some Beats headphones. I think, uh, yeah, that definitely exceeded £30. And the other occasion was a round of drinks at the bar, the Swan at the Globe Theatre. So I, I've not known any places to um, certainly offer... The limitless um, transactions, um, or certainly they haven't advertised the fact that they, they they do, and I think that's the problem. There hasn't been much clarity. Um, you know, most people have got it drummed into them that if it's um, over thirty pounds, you can't use contactless, and most um, you know most 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 people who work at uh, retail outlets have that drummed into them. So it'd be nice to know uh, that uh, w- which um, which terminals exactly do accept. Uh, limitless payments, but um, according to um, uh, Jennifer Bailey, it's the majority now. So I think next time I do my uh, my Tesco shop, I'll uh, I'll give that a try. Unless there does seem to still be some confusion uh, with retailers. Um, like I said, uh, in the Apple Store, you can pretty much buy what you want using Apple Pay. You can buy yourself a MacBook Pro if you want, go well over a thousand pounds, and that's absolutely fine. Other retailers um, aren't aren't so confident that you can do things like that. Other retailers who actually do support um, the limitless um, transactions uh, claim that there is actually a limit, um, but it's a a higher amount. It's more, you know, sort of around the line of, um, um, you know, £700. Um, But, you know, most people making casual purchases won't sort of hit that amount. Again, you hear different things from different retailers. So Apple need to really give us a little bit more clarity on that. But um, you know, Apple have boasted again. They've boasted to the Daily Telegraph that um, Apple Pay is doing extremely well, and I certainly do see more and more people using Apple Pay in the mainstream, not just tech geeks like myself. Um, you know, and 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 apparently it's grown. Apple Pay transactions have grown by. 300 percent in the last year alone and there's 23 major high street banks supporting the service so imagine just think of all that money for apple because they get a cut and not they? they get a cut of every single transaction um and obviously britain were uh they were already ahead of the game when it came to uh, contactless payments so um the shift to apple pay isn't as daunting as it would be for our brethren in the uh united states who uh who only recently received in chip and pin, you know, they were, they were using the old fashioned method before then, uh, of literally just sign in sign in um, to, um, to verify that their, their identity and, and, and to complete the transaction. Like we used to do in the old days. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's great. Contactless payments are, are, are great. And, um, you know, Apple Pay seems to solve all of the limitations and all of the anxieties with contactless payments and that being security. It's not so easy to spoof someone's fingerprint. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, what's going to go happen even further? Well, Apple would wish to expand the Apple Wallet. We already see Apple Wallets used for flight boarding passes, for tickets to events. Um, major cinemas uh, distribute tickets via Apple Wallet. Um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, the View and the Odeon, which is great because you can make a booking, send it to your digital wallet, and not worry about where the tickets, the physical tickets are, you know, the night before you go and see the movie. And um, so, yeah, you know, we've seen loyalty cards uh, like Subway and that sort of thing, as I mentioned. And also there is a trial uh, from the uh, DVLA, the um, Driver Vehicle Licensing Agency, who are, they're trialing um, a digital British driving license on an Apple wallet, on Apple wallet. And they've, um, so they've got a few people trialing this out and essentially it's just, you um, and there was an image that was actually leaked around um, last year, around, around this time last year, I think. And it, it showed quite a simple looking um, image of a driving license on, on Apple Wallet. You literally had the photo ID, the name of the person, um, details such as um, when it was issued, expiry, date of birth, that sort of thing. I mean it was a single image so we don't know what else was on there perhaps um, you know when you go to the um, the info screen um, or the further detail screen of, of the um, the digital card there's a QR code or something like that just to actually um, verify that it is a legitimate license um, but I you know I don't know I mean since then we you know that the DVLA have abolished the uh, the paper counterpart um, to the uh, the photo license they've done that already and um um so it's all about just the photo car driving license so yeah i mean why not why not re- you know reproduce that digitally it can be done um so you know it's great you know the um the, uh, the mobile wallet, uh, the papersless wallet, is a thing of reality and a thing that is being embraced by the mainstream. So I'm all for the likes of Apple Pay. Um, I use it all the time. And I'm quite surprised that it still gets a reaction from some people. Um, it's actually quite amusing that um, there's quite a lot of people who don't realize they have the technology already in their pockets. You know, they have an iPhone. They've been using an iPhone for a while. They have a, a bank account with one of the banks who clearly support Apple Pay, and the majority do now, and they had no idea that you could do this thing. And I've explained to oh, oh, countless people now that, hey, you know, it's quite easy to do. You have your debit card with you, great. You just, you know, you're in your details. Uh, oh, it sends a text message to you. You verify that, and away you go. So um, I am very surprised. but um, At the same time, I'm not surprised because, um, you know, I know for a fact that, you um, the majority of people, not, not those who are a little bit more tech, sa- tech savvy like us, but the majority of people out there don't even use half of the features on their smartphones. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Apple Pay is is doing well. Uh, we also have Android Pay, which is um, um, doing well. It's, it's not, it, funny enough, Android Pay hasn't been um, embraced quite as warmly as Apple Pay, I mean, you know, most places accept Android Pay. So, you know, if they accept contactless payments, they'll accept that. Um, in terms of mindshare, Apple Pay certainly has the edge, but that's probably due to the awesome marketing, um, um, you know, geniuses they have at Apple. And the problem is also the likes of Samsung who produce android phones have complicated matters by offering their own rival payment service samsung pay so if you were an android owner what do you go for Um, android pay or samsung pay it all gets rather messy at least with apple you know it's a standard it's one thing apple pay if you buy an apple product simple as that um but nonetheless you know all have the same sort of advantages i think samsung pay um, is a little works a little differently, um, and in actual fact, I don't think has it hasn't been re- released in, in the UK officially. Um, I'm not sure about that. Let me check that one out for you guys. Um, as of 16th of May, Samsung Pay, blah, 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 blah. Um, okay, it is. It is. It's officially available now. Uh, it was only officially available um, just a few days ago just a few days ago it seems um 16 foot May. so they're late to the party so even more reason that you know if you have an android device an android chance an android you know samsung device obviously chances are you're already using google's android pay why on earth would you use samsung's uh, version of the same thing i don't know anyway i won't i won't uh Bag on Samsung too much. Um, I've already been warned about that. But yep, Apple Pay, mobile payments, brilliant. I'm all for them. And let's not forget the convenience of using it uh, for, for 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 transport, for commuting. You know, um, the the barriers, many of the barriers uh, for train stations across across London and the suburbs support um, contactless payments, and therefore support likes of Android Pay and Apple Pay. And this is something so so elegant and slick and convenient about just using your phone or your smart watch just to open the ticket barrier. So I'm all for that. Now, I know we're all tired of hearing about, well, hearing the same old rumours about um, Apple's upcoming iPhone, which, uh, what are we going to call it? Uh, anniversary, 10th anniversary iPhone, the iPhone 8, the iPhone X, I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, the, um, the the new iPhone that is due to be released this year, the one with, you know, the all singing, all dancing new iPhone, um that will have a new form factor now we know we know the rumors i won't go over them again we know the fact that it's going to have an edge-to-edge display so we've heard it's it's going to have a vertical dual cameras for either virtual or augmented reality it's going to have wireless charging etc etc um now what what What's interesting um, this past week is that um, well there have been a number of leaks um, leaked sort of uh, schematic diagrams um, and, and the like uh, over the past couple of weeks and I've reported about those before which just sort of confirmed uh, certainly that Apple um, have been at least prototyping the um, you know, the rumours, um, you know, the rumoured form factor for this new iPhone and um, but what, what's happened this week is that the blog Boy Genius Report, BGR, have actually got a hold of some real-life photographs of a mock-up of this iPhone 8 or iPhone edition that has been produced based on the schematic diagrams. So they actually have a mock-up based on the schematic diagrams, and you can actually see... Physically, what this thing will look like. So it's um, and so it's built to scale based on the final schematics, and and these have actually been leaked from the various factories that will manufacture um, Apple's next iPhone. And so it does confirm everything we know. It's a beautiful edge-to-edge display. Um, obviously, it's a mock-up, so we can't switch it on, but um, it gives you an idea of the, of the scale of the screen. Um, you Again, the dual um, uh, vertical um, uh, cameras um, are on the back of the machine, but what isn't obvious is uh, whether where the uh, Touch ID sensor is going to be, where it's going to be at the back or whether it's going to be underneath the screen. That's not obvious. And everyone's hoping that the thing will be underneath the screen. It won't be like Sam- what Samsung have done for the Galaxy S8, which has been rather cumbersome. So, yep, it's, it, it's slightly different to see this thing, you know, um, for, you know, for real uh, or physically. Um, and, yep, it has. Uh, we're looking at it sort of as a stainless steel frame around around the side of the phone um it does have a curved sort of finish um and it's very difficult for me to describe so what i will do is put a link to the images in the show notes um it again apple under the under the leadership of tim cook seems to uh, leak uh like a sieve basically and there tends to be no surprises at all when it comes to their keynotes so we have now if this is to be believed and again it's based it's it's built the mock up is built based on schematics that have came you know been leaked from the factories um, there is going to be no surprises. We have already seen this new iPhone. What we just haven't seen is it, being, it switched on, but we really know that we are to expect a beautiful OLED display. So I will put the link to this thing on the show notes. I know it's, it, it, it's a little dull to go over the same rooms again, but it, it is somewhat different to actually um, see a, a mock-up, or more specifically a photorealistic mock-up. Now, in March, Ikea launched its own line of smart light bulbs and smart light bulb controllers. This line was known as Trad3, and I think I'm pronouncing that completely wrong, but it's Trad3. And it was released really as a no frills solution, um, no frills meaning just plain white Um, white white color lights uh, to compete with the likes of uh, Philips with their hue range now I say no frills because essentially these lights um, were only available with um, their own controller their own sort of dimmer or you could buy a tread free uh, gateway um, which would allow you to control these lights um, remotely However, restricted using an, an app that Ikea published on Google's Play Store and Apple's App Store. Now, the Tread is appealing because it's pretty cheap. So um, you can get, for example, a Tread bulb, a white bulb and a, a basic dimmer starting from around £15. Now, compare that to £50 with Philips Hue. Um, you can also get the Tread Free Gateway for around £25, which is fairly reasonable again, compared to the price of a Philips Hue bridge. So what you couldn't do was tap into existing um, existing ecosystems such as Apple's HomeKit and Amazon's Alexa. Now things have changed. IKEA made an announcement, uh, or more specifically, their product manager, Bjorn Block, has made an announcement in, um, confirming that there will be a uh, support for Amazon Alexa, and Apple HomeKit, and Google Home Assistant uh, later on in, in the year. Uh, to quote uh, Bjorn, um, making our products work with others on the market takes us one step closer to meet people's needs, making it easier to interact with your smart home products. So basically, it's coming soon. And what makes it more um, compelling uh, when it supports existing um, ecosystems like uh, Amazon's uh, Alexa and Echo products and Apple HomeKit, is the fact that you don't have to buy IKEA's um, a Gateway Bridge, which for £25 isn't a great amount of money anyway, but you don't have to, more importantly, install their third-party app and you don't have to encourage everyone in your household to install their third-party app and all of your guests to install their third-party app just to control your IKEA smart lighting. No, you can include your IKEA smart light bulbs as part of your existing um, home smart devices setup. Um, You can... Um, basically incorporate them into various home scenes that you may already have with your existing um, a smart home setup so for example if you have a scene a, a welcome home scene or whatever like something like that which may unlock your door switch on your heating you may want it to switch on your ikea lights as well now that can be done now it's part of amazon standard and apple's HomeKit standard and google's uh, google home standard you can incorporate it to into your existing setup which means you can spend as little as you know 15 pounds or even a tenner i think without the difference. To get yourself an IKEA smart bulb and fully kit out all of those remaining rooms that aren't quite kitted out just yet. Now, this is going to panic Philips a little bit. And while Philips can offer you fancy things such as colour bulbs, um, Philips white bulbs are still significantly more expensive. Now I would definitely be all over this, and once IKEA actually, from my point of view, support Apple's HomeKit, once they once they've introduced that, um, my HomeKit um, uh, setup will, will see their bulbs straight away. If I so, I may as well buy a whole load of IKEA bulbs on the cheap um, and kit out all of those rooms that aren't equipped with smart bulbs uh, just yet. Although the majority are, um, there are always one or two that haven't haven't been done. Um, so I, I can start to think about things such as the uh, the kitchen and the bathroom. So, again, another one of the advantages of it supporting existing um, smart home ecosystems is the fact that uh, you and your guests don't have to use the third party app, as I mentioned, which means your, your, your devices will just work. So. You know, sp- speaking a command into um, your Amazon Echo will com- will will control the lights automatically and immediately. Um, speaking um, a-, a-, a command into um, Siri uh, via your iPhone, your iPad, your Mac, your Apple TV, or just swiping up on the Control Center on your iPhone and seeing your your Ikea, your recognized Ikea smart bulbs there and you've been able to control those to put them on some sort of schedule to make them part of an existing um, smart home scene. Um, it's just so much more convenient than downloading a standalone app and trying to persuade everyone else to download that same standalone app and, and trying to say to people, well, actually, no, the Philips bulbs work through one sort of app and work through HomeKit. The IKEA bulbs work through another. It's just too confusing. This simplifies things. And I'm all for manufacturers supporting the pre-existing standards that um, Apple, Google and Amazon have established for us. So that's brilliant news, and IKEA's bulbs are very, very good value. Um, there really is no excuse now not to uh, kit out the you know all the rest of the rooms in your home with smart bulbs. I'm hoping um, smart um, heaters and smart plugs and all sorts of other smart devices um, become much more affordable because you know we're almost there for having. Almost there in realising the Jetsons and Star Trek-esque vision of having our home appliances, our homes themselves, completely automated. Now, again, um, IKEA haven't committed to a specific uh, month as to when this update will take place. Um, They've simply said later later this year. So um, stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date as soon as we've received some more information. Now. That's about all the time we have for this edition. I did say it would be a shorter one than usual. Um, next time we'll be back with, uh, hopefully with Bronson Green, our film aficionado, um, to discuss uh, Alien Covenant, amongst other things. So stay tuned for that episode. Um, before I go, though, I just wanted uh, just just to just to say rest in peace with the sad news we, we received um, today that uh, Roger Moore, uh, great British actor, Roger Moore, has died aged 89. Um, he was, you know, he's, he, he, he lost a battle with cancer, um, so the reports say. Um, but, um, you know, whether you remember Roger Moore as being, um, you know, the longest serving James Bond, you know, 1973 to 1985, or whether you remember him as, um, you know, playing Simon Templar in The Saint, um You know, he was a great actor. He was a great British actor. To me, he was James Bond. James Bond for my generation. And his portrayal of Bond was the one I was accustomed to growing up in the 1980s. And uh, he will be missed. So rest in peace, Roger Moore. So that's about it. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us again at the intersection. Um, If you haven't subscribed already, please do so. You can find full instructions on how to subscribe at our website, which is Um, intersectioncast.com. We're also listed on all the major podcast directories, including iTunes. So we're fairly easy to find. If social media is your thing and you prefer an announcement on your social media platform as to when we have published new episodes, um, you can reach us at Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash intersection or on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at Let's Intersect. Please leave us any feedback, any suggestions, or any, any topics you would like us to explore, or anything like that at all. We, we always welcome hearing from you. Um, there's a number of ways you can contact us. You can email feedback at intersectioncast.com. You can also drop us a Skype voicemail. Our Skype account is the same as the email address, which is feedback at intersectioncast.com. I'm Jonathan signing off yet another episode of The Intersection. So until the next time, stay safe, and that's a wrap. It's the Intersection.